Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Lindsay. And welcome to our podcast, We We Wish wish You a Merry Movie. So in this episode, we are actually discussing one of Hallmark's new movies. Mm-hmm. Ghost of Christmas Always is one of Hallmark's new releases this season, and it's actually been receiving a lot of buzz. It stars Kim Matula and Ian Harding. And it's funny because we've talked about the typical formula that the movies of this subgenre follow, and it's a formula that... Hallmark is kind of known for establishing, but for our very first discussion of a Hallmark movie, we chose one that doesn't really follow that formula exactly. Of course, of course we did. So some ways that it doesn't quite follow the regular formula. Uh, First, there's a non-linear timeline. Mm -hmm. They go back and forth in time, which you would expect because we have a ghost of Christmas past and present and future. And then of course, when you're dealing with ghosts, they are out of our world. So Mm -hmm. we don't really know the rules of their world or how they're going to fit into ours. We have to figure it out as we go along. Mm -hmm. And because Catherine, the ghost of Christmas present, is a ghost, and Peter, he's alive, you don't know how this love story is going to end. Whereas most of the time when you're watching these movies, you see the love interest and of course they're going to end up together because that's, that's the shtick. That's these movies. But this idea of living and non-living, that's, that's something that I did not see how they could overcome. I wasn't sure what to make of this movie between the title and the idea that it is somehow connected to this classic work that we all know so well, but it's a modern day romantic comedy. I wasn't really sure what to think. The preview really didn't give much away. And the cover art. Oh yes, the cover art. (laughs) I did not know what to think of that. There's a lot going on in that picture. We weren't really sure we would like it because of those reasons, but turns out we actually really did. Yep. So when I was first doing research for what movies we would discuss this season. I saw that Ghost of Christmas Always was being well-received, and so I thought I'd check it out on IMDb. And it scored an 8 out of 10. I thought it was a mistake because movies in this subgenre, these Hallmark-inspired movies, they don't score 8 out of 10. So I was very intrigued, and I was like, this has to be on my list. Overall, we found this movie to be very clever, entertaining, it's witty, it's funny. I really enjoy drawing the connections between the classic Christmas Carol and this new fun take on it as a romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. The movie is so darn good that just do yourself a favor and watch it. So this is your spoiler alert. If you continue, we will reveal the end of the movie and all the twists. So I would highly recommend to to just pause right now and to go watch that movie when it's convenient for you and then come and join us again. And now it's time for your 60-second synopsis. And once again, we are doing a very brief bare-bones summary because we are going to get into all of the details later. Here is your 60-second synopsis. You may know the story of Ebenezer Scrooge being visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future and becoming a better, kinder, happier man. In this story, there is an entire heavenly magical agency devoted to helping cantankerous individuals around the world rekindle their own Christmas spirit. This year, Catherine, a ghost of Christmas present, and her colleagues Arlene, a ghost of Christmas past, and Roy, a ghost of Christmas future, are assigned to Scrooge, Peter Barron, son of corporate grocery store tycoon. As the ghosts revisit Peter's past and review his present, however, Catherine is completely flummoxed because Peter doesn't seem awful enough to need to be scrooged. Still, the pair can't help but enjoy all their time together, especially as they discover some shared history. Turns out the higher-ups at the Department of Restoring Christmas Spirits seem to have made a mistake. Peter's workaholic father, Robert, was the one who actually needed to be scrooged, and the ghosts need Peter's help to make it right. Through some time travel magic, they successfully scrooge Robert, help their community, and fall in love along the way. In an unexpected twist of fate, Catherine learns that she was the intended assignment all along, and she must decide if she dares to take a leap and enter the future with Peter. And that is your 60-second synopsis. All right, let's talk about the characters. All right, let's just give a little backstory first about how these Christmas ghosts work. First of all, there are countless teams of these three types of Christmas ghosts who work for what they call something like the Department of Restoring Christmas Spirit. Mm-hmm. And annually they receive their new assignment and they have all year to study and prepare for the next scrooging. And the Great Hall 
It's this beautiful, timeless, grand central station. Always decorated for Christmas. Always. And endless stories. <laughs> uh, doorways leading to towns and cities all around the world. And this is where the ghost of Christmas, they hang out when they are not scrooging. Mm-hmm. The Ghost of Christmas Future, named Roy, is actually played by Reginald Bell Johnson, who we all know and love as Carl Winslow from Family Matters. Mm-hmm. And Al the Cop from Die Hard. Oh, yeah. His character is very congenial, charming, optimistic. He's always wearing a stylish ascot. Very different from the traditional Dickens Ghost of Christmas Future, which is very foreboding. Which is like the Grim Reaper, essentially. Yes. This person uh, has a much different vibe. Yeah. Very positive, optimistic. And we have Arlene, the Ghost of Christmas Past. So outspoken, wisecracking, seems experienced. Uh, You want to stay on her good side for sure. Yes. Because she will fight you. She is not messing around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Catherine, who is the ghost of Christmas present, is very warm-hearted, spunky, generous. When she was alive, she wanted to do something great for the world. And that's another thing. All of these ghosts were at one point alive. And after their death, this is where they have gone to be able to help other people. And Peter, when we first meet him, he's actually giving away meals to those in need. He's charitable. He's super witty. And... After the loss of his grandfather and his parents divorced, we see that he has grown up as sort of a lonely child. There, there's a definite parallel to Ebenezer Scrooge because Ebenezer Scrooge also had a fairly lonely childhood. Mm. And unlike that Scrooge, Peter Barron hasn't really become bitter or stingy. He's closed himself off to some degree, yeah. but he is still a very good-hearted person. Yeah. And then there's Robert, his father, Robert Barron. He's very successful. He was able to turn the small family business into a thriving corporation, but he did so at the cost of his own family. While Peter was growing up, he worked nonstop, including on Christmas. Eventually that led to his parents' divorce, and he just continues to work and gain as much as he can. What does he say? Business doesn't take holidays. Yeah. And then we have Grandpa Bob, Robert's father, Peter's grandfather. And he is the polar opposite of Robert. He's kind. He's generous. He gave everything he had away. He cared more about what he could do for others than what he could gain for himself. And he was there for everyone, especially Peter as a little boy. He's there every Christmas that Peter can remember up until he passes away. Then we actually get to see Betsy, which was Grandpa Bob's wife. And it's kind of fun that this movie goes back to different time periods. Mm -hmm. So basically we get to see her, what, late 40s, early 50s, around that time period. We get to see them meet for the first time, which Mm -hmm. is pretty sweet for Peter to get to see how his beloved grandparents met and interacted when they were young for the first time. She's beautiful and vivacious, but also very caring, a seemingly perfect match for Grandpa Bob. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we have Susan Crane, a very famous recording artist. Think Bette Midler, years of success have apparently caused her to be ill-tempered enough to deserve a scrooging. In the beginning, she's how we learn about the scrooging process, basically. She's the example. Toward the middle of the movie, she just can't wait to show off her holiday knickknacks and decor, and she will sing her holiday tunes at any occasion from Robert's Christmas party, Robert, Peter's father. To the reopening of their... The Rudy Tootie. (laughs) So they successfully changed her attitude. Mm -hmm. Now we're ready to start what we call the The Love love timeline. Timeline. All right, at the very beginning of the movie, we see Catherine walking around Hartford, her old town, and she makes her way into the Rudy Tootie. But before that, she sees some man handing out meals to those that are in need. And then a few moments later, that same man walks into the Rudy Tootie and asked her 
uh, hey, can I help you? And she sort of looks over her shoulder like, well, he can't be talking to me, but he is. He sees her. That seems strange to her. Because she's a ghost, and mm-hmm. he's not the one that she was supposed to be haunting this year, so he should not be able to see her. Mm-hmm. And he says, you look very familiar. She doesn't know what to say. And they eventually engage in conversation. It comes out that the frog hollow angel was owned by his grandparents. And they settle that that's, that must be where he knew her from. And he sort of ends that Although whole... she, she, she can't say it to him, but she knows that's not really possible because mm-hmm. of when she lived. Correct. So they're not really sure. He kind of recognizes her. He's not sure from where. She can't really reveal it. That would Mm -hmm. be breaking the rules. Yeah. And he says something like, everyone deserves a warm meal at Christmas in regards to the handing out food um, to the less fortunate. And he also mentions that his family sort of owns the whole block, which they later uh, joke about. It's a pretty witty conversation they have for Mm -hmm. first meeting. The acting is really good. It it starts off with that awkwardness of there is a stranger in my building and how can this person even see me? What do I say? What Mm -hmm. do I do? But pretty quickly they start settling into a nice rhythm with their conversation. Yeah, totally agreed. And then right before she has to snap back to uh, the great hall, he turns and he goes, could I ask for your, presumably he was going to ask for her number, but she is is gone. gone in a flash. And so he doesn't have the chance. Until one year later. It's Christmas Eve again, and our Christmas ghosts have their next assignment, which turns out to be Peter Barron. Mm -hmm. So they have to show up at his apartment in order to Scrooge him. Mm -hmm. And so they, bam, are in the living room. He picks up the nutcracker and hopes to club them with it. (laughs) Defend himself with the nutcracker. But immediately he sees Catherine, who's hiding behind the Christmas tree, and is like, you! And she's like, oh, oh, me? And she gets her foot out of the... I was hoping you wouldn't notice. (laughs) She gets her foot out of the Christmas tree. And lo and behold, he can see her, and he remembers her from last year. So that is hint number two that something's going on with him. It's funny, too, because they clearly are recognizing each other. So now Christmas past Arlene and Christmas future Roy are noticing this and they're trying to figure out what's going on. How is this possible? So that overshadows their big reveal to him of what they're doing. But he puts it together. He starts realizing, oh, wait, you're ghosts. It's Christmas Eve. He's wearing a bathrobe and he's like geeking out. Yeah, he's geeking out because he's so excited and flattered, I think. Mm hmm. Until he realizes that if he is the Scrooge of the situation, why is he the Scrooge? Yeah. And so he starts introspectively speculating yeah. he's what like, he's done wrong. Do people hate me? Oh, it's because I'm spoiled. Oh my gosh, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to correct his behavior there in the moment. Yeah, but his, his reaction was truly funny. I'd recommend going back and just watching it for his reaction when he finds out that he's actually Scrooge or supposed to be the one being Scrooge. I liked seeing him making the connections to the classic story because mm-hmm. that's what we're doing as an audience. Yeah, definitely. And then when he finds out that Arlene, Ghost of Christmas Past, is going to take him back to the past, he immediately looks at Catherine and is like, you're coming too, right? And she's like, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't do those things. And uh, then Roy and Arlene agree that she can go. So they all go back to Peter's past. I mean, it would make sense that Christmas present wouldn't go on the journey into the past, but he clearly wants to spend some time with her. Exactly, exactly. So the first scene in Peter's past is in his family living room, and it's on Christmas Day. He's opening up presents, and Arlene makes the observation, like, the gifts, and Peter immediately There's jumps to... There's a lot to, of them. <laughs> immediately jumps to, oh, this is what it's about. I mean, this is why I'm a Scrooge. I mean, I had all these presents. I'm spoiled. And then he, like, goes on, like, oh, well, I gave half of them away, but, like, oh, I could have given away more. And <laughs> at one point... Catherine sort of like leans in and was like, this is what you're working with? Like, this guy is clearly not a Scrooge. She doesn't say that, but it's definitely clear in her facial expressions and her tone. And then we jump next to the Frog Hollow Angel. It's still little Peter and he... And this was his uh, grandparents' community center. Correct. Where they would host dinners and 
do things for people in need. Mm-hmm. One of Peter's classmates who was at the community center wants to play with Legos and little Peter gives away his Legos. Which is the example that was set for him by his grandpa. They always say, you're always giving everything away. So mm-hmm. he's he's being generous with his things, but his dad's not too happy about it because he just purchased those Legos as a gift. Correct. And so you get a little insight into Peter's history with both of these individuals. He looks up to both of them, but his grandfather is way more in tune with with Peter and the person that he is. And I think Peter's dad maybe hopes that Peter will come around, that he'll be more like him in business and in life than Grandpa Bob. And so I just want to make one note that I feel like Peter is often making uh, excuses for his dad. In the memory, we find out that at the carousel that where they'd spend Christmas, his father didn't work. That's at least what he tells everyone. Like, oh, this was my favorite day because my father wouldn't work on Christmas. And then his father takes a call and then suddenly has to go to a meeting. And so you see that even in his remembering of his father, it, it's not an accurate reflection of the man that his father is. It's the man who he thinks or wants his father to be. Arlene points that out. It does seem like your father worked a lot on Christmas. And I do think, you know, one of the things that's interesting about him revisiting the past is he he's seen it differently than he yeah. remembered it. And sometimes we do that. We have memories from mm-hmm. our childhood that if we probably went back and actually got to be in that scene of life again, we would see some things we didn't notice. One, because so much time has passed. And two, we were kids then. Mm-hmm. And he's an adult now. So yeah. he's actually able to watch all this happen with a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't remember him his dad working. He doesn't remember his dad working on Christmas. But it turns out that actually happened a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one thing that we do know is that at the carousel next to Grandpa Bob, like he is the happiest that little Peter could be. It's one of my favorite moments happens when his dad does end up going to work and he's watching his young self get into, I think, a sleigh on the mm-hmm. carousel. His mom's in the back and Grandpa Bob comes in, sits right next to him, puts his arm around him. And the look on his face is pure glee. Mm-hmm. And I love that because in A Christmas Carol... When Scrooge gets to go back and see himself with all of his school friends and the fuzzy wigs, he's delighted. Mm. He at, he kind of forgets himself for a moment. Yeah. So the look on Peter's face, I thought the actor just did a really, really good job making us believe that he was having this truly delightful moment watching this happen. Yeah. And then we find out that Peter realizes that this is his last Christmas with Grandpa Bob. And he makes the comment, like, you don't know something's going to end until it does. And then you see this sad scene of the carousel going around and around. And with each turn, it represents a new year has passed. And it's Christmas with just his mom because his parents are divorced. And then the next Christmas... It's just him, and it's so so sad. After that, we see adolescent Peter at his dad's work party, and we're introduced to the character of Rachel Finkenauer. And apparently, as Arlene narrates, that this was the first and last time that he opened himself to anyone. So he had a big old crush on Rachel, and she didn't uh, reciprocate. We don't really get to see them interact much. Correct. We don't know how close of friends they were, or if this was like a mutual flirtation. She's waving at the guy behind him on the carousel. We find out later that she married that guy. But one thing he does say is he admits he was pretty into her, but he also said that she had this big happy family Mm -hmm. and that's really something that he was very into the idea of yeah the last thing you see throughout this entire trip to the past that Catherine for the most part remains fairly quiet but looking at little Peter that is or adolescent Peter with just this look of sympathy but also like admiration in terms of who he was and it still is, like she she appreciates the person that he is. So in the final past memory, we have adolescent Peter and his father in the office building, and his father wants to have a sit-down talk with him. 
And before he does, Peter brings up Susan Crane could have been singing at our holiday work parties. So it allows Catherine to jump in and say, like, we scrooged her. Oh, yeah, like, name drop. We know her. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, maybe we shouldn't say that. Like, it's confidential or something. Yeah. But they're very excited to share. Yeah, but it was, like, a very gleeful moment for the two of them to, like, dive in and to talk about that. And Arlene's just, like, they're rolling her eyes. Another inside joke for two people that do not know each other uh, very well or for very long. But his dad has a sit-down talk with him and asked is this something you see in your future, inheriting the company? And as adolescent Peter is sitting there thinking, adult Peter is like, say no, say no. And Arlene has to pause the past moment to ask Peter, adult Peter, like, what is this? You wanted to say no? And Peter's like, well, I don't, um, hmm, I, I don't know. Like, what's the answer he it just shows like his ambivalence toward this all he doesn't know what he wants as adult peter yeah it's not like he is supposed to inherit the family business but he wants like a completely different kind of career that his father would never understand he mm -hmm. doesn't have this extra passion for another field of work yeah. so i think it's a crossroads but it's a crossroads in terms of do i want to be like my dad or do i want to go my own way with whatever i do yeah so after his trip to the past with Arlene and Catherine, they come back to his living room. Roy's there waiting for them. I think he's watching a version of A Christmas Carol on TV, oh, yeah, right? right yeah. <laughs> Having a good time. <laughs> yeah. And now Peter realizes that he is going to go into present memories uh, with Catherine. And, and it's going to be just the two of them this mm -hmm. time. And Roy, I don't know, he snaps his fingers or something, but he allows for Catherine to be wearing like modern attire and I just want to note that the look on Peter's face when he sees her in just modern clothes like he looks so delighted and adorable the yeah Ian Harding playing a uh, smitten Peter it just it he plays it very well it's pretty cute it is even though it's Christmas present she says Christmas present gets the full week. Mm, so yeah. they are going to be reviewing some things that have happened to him already in the last couple of days. But then he's also going to be watching himself do things that he's going to do tomorrow on mm -hmm. Christmas Day and Christmas night. So it's a little bit different in that you're watching him watch himself as an adult do these things. Yeah, that's a good point. But we see him at his father's company public meeting where they announce that Peter's going to take over the company. We see him, or the lack of him, at his mother's house on Christmas. And she misses him. You can yeah. tell in this scene, he's always felt like an outsider, I think, since yeah. she got remarried and had his sister. But they talk about him. They wish he was there. And he didn't really realize mm -hmm. that they felt that way, I think. There's one particular moment where he's at the work party with his father and uh, a colleague of his father's talking about how it's a good thing your father talked some sense into you, Peter, because giving food away is not a good thing to do, or whatever he says. And Again, they're in the grocery store business, so mm -hmm. they're in the business of selling food. Yeah. But he wants him to be making decisions that benefit the company. Mm -hmm. And so Peter viewing... Peter from a few days ago or a day ago and he's like say something why am I not saying anything to this man so he's disappointed in himself that he's yeah. not expressing what he believes mm -hmm. and he even calls himself a coward like in the scene right after that so I think in terms of him going back to see present moments and even in the past he's realizing now the the disconnect between who he is and who he wants to be and I think in that moment, she sees that Peter is sort of low and she meets that vulnerability with her own vulnerability. That's she a good way to put it. Volunteers. Yes. She, she volunteers. She volunteers to share what she knows about her life yes. and leading up to her death. Yes. She makes the comment that Christmas magic is special and Christmas is a time to remember who you are if she could go back she would be so much braver about certain mm -hmm. things too and at that moment i think he wants to kiss her rachel yeah i think so too for sure he says like well if i could go back and if i could be braver i would and then he sort of like lingers for a second then he immediately sort of chickens out and says, plays it off yeah like oh i would i would turn down taking over the company and 
in that moment, they're snapped back. Which means they're just very quickly pulled back into his living room with Arlene and Roy. Mm-hmm. And Catherine's like, no, like, we, we have more things to do. And both Roy and Arlene are looking at them like, what? And Arlene makes a comment like, well, that's not how it works. When it's done, it's done. Apparently, you get snapped back when you've learned your lesson. Yes. So if you figured it out, you don't have to go on any more of the journey. Mm-hmm. And it kind of fits because we don't really think he needs to be Scrooge. Yeah. He seems to have learned his lesson about himself. He didn't mm-hmm. need to learn necessarily how to be better person. He needed to learn what he truly wanted mm-hmm. and be willing to pursue it. But he doesn't think he's done. Yeah, that's exactly what he says. It doesn't feel done. And then Roy volunteers that if you believe you need more Christmas magic, then there's more to take. You just have to believe it and Peter sort of closes his eyes and he has this determined look on his face and then they're snapped back to the Christmas tree right where they left off and maybe this is the first time in his life where he realized what he wanted like really wanted and he made it happen so they walk over to the carousel where he's standing there watching it yes exactly modern day Peter is lonely and this is his you know lonely spot for Christmas and so he's just watching people ride the carousel and remembering and, mm-hmm. his family I'm sure his childhood and Catherine's like you don't you want to ride that thing do you and Peter's like no but then they do and then it feels very much like a date they're laughing he calls her magical definitely at this point she is having a really fun time getting to know him and you can see that that spark mm-hmm. is developing there for her too yep and at this point is this where they see what's going to happen over the next couple of days like mm-hmm. they're in the present but they've reviewed the last couple of days and now they're going to see what's going to happen on christmas day who comes out but rachel mm-hmm. his childhood crush his teenage crush and uh she's with her daughter and he watches his present self approach her and her reveal that she's separated now. So mm-hmm. it's possible that something could happen in the future where he could rekindle something with Rachel if he wanted to. And Catherine even kind of asks, like, is that mm-hmm. what you would want? You can have that if that's what mm-hmm. you want. And then they kind of leave it there. It's, it's an option. It doesn't yeah. feel like it's destiny, but it is a choice that is possible to yes. make. And the thing that she tells him on the carousel is that life is a series of choices. And so I think it's especially um, important to note that if Peter wants Rachel Finkenauer to be his future, he has a choice in that. But you see the look on Catherine's face like, I don't want that to be your choice. But of course she can't say anything. This is her job. She has, she's strictly business, uh, Catherine is. So. Yeah, I would say when she is noticing this moment, you can tell she she's sad about it. She's mm-hmm. sad that it can't be her. Mm-hmm. Catherine and Peter reconvene underneath the Christmas tree. And it's sort of sad because this is the end of present. The end of their journey together. Mm-hmm. Or so we think. But they look at each other and they say, Merry Christmas, and get snapped back. And it's interesting, too, because we didn't get to see what Roy was going to show Peter. Mm -hmm. I was curious to see how he does his job. But because Peter already kind of learned his lesson about knowing what he wants and going for it, and he's seen a little teeny glimpse of a possible future choice he could make, I guess Roy's job is done, and they all just return back to their great hall great hall exactly so they're back in the great hall they're sitting around having some of their favorite cocktails celebrating another successful case and in walks charlie with some bad news Mm -hmm. charlie reveals that it turns out a big mistake has been made peter is not the one that was supposed to be scrooged which now makes sense why he didn't seem like he should be instead it was supposed to be his father all along And this is a crisis. Mm -hmm. Everyone's upset. 
And they think that they're going to have the entire year to figure out how they're going to Scrooge Robert Barron the following Christmas. But, but no, oh that's no. not going to work. Mm-hmm. One, so. be the end of our story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two, they only have a few hours left of this particular Christmas Eve to make it happen. And there's a couple other problems. Mm-hmm. So they cannot use the Christmas magic on Robert Barron. They can only talk to Peter and use sort of Peter as this puppet to scrooge his father and we also know at this point that peter has left a voicemail to his father pretty much saying that he doesn't want to be anything like him that he doesn't want this job at the company and it's pretty much like peace out this is my (laughs) life that's yours but he does say something pretty poignant of i'd rather be good and broke than rich and broken so he's making choices he's you know drawing a line in the sand after a voicemail like that he's thinking how am i ever supposed to be able to reach my dad in this way. So Mm -hmm. I thought it was funny that they still have magic, but they can only use it on this one person each year. And now they have to get him to help, but he doesn't believe there's anything that he can do to help. Mm -hmm. And when Catherine appears on the job, (laughs) you see Peter passing out fudge or something. Like homemade candy. When did he have time to make all the homemade candy and wrap it? Who knows? But, but he's in the Christmas spirit, so he's passing it out to everyone in the building. Mm-hmm. And because Catherine is a ghost, only Peter can see her, but yet he sort of forgets that he has an audience. So he's like just having this conversation with Catherine, and she's like, shh, be quiet. And he's like, <laughs> why are you shushing me? And then the neighbor is looking at him like he is a psychopath because she can't see Catherine. So it's just this funny moment. He's mm-hmm. having a full-on conversation, talking pretty quickly. Yeah. So we find out that Peter really has no intention of going to his father and doing what the ghosts are asking him to do. And so he decides to go and bake pies with his mom, where, of course, Catherine snaps back in there and... (laughs) Interrupts the first time they've spent time together in who knows how long. (laughs) Yeah, and so uh, Peter makes a joke about having really small earbuds in and then runs to the bathroom to actually have a conversation with Catherine. And they hatch up a plan to bring in Susan Crane. Who else? Who else? She's the gal. But does he know her? How does he even get into her place? She invites him in. We see Peter walk over the threshold, but yeah, I what transpired have, before then? I would have loved to have seen the conversation where they knock on the door and have to explain who they are mm-hmm. because she's a celebrity. Yeah. But whatever they say convinces her because she lets them walk right in. Mm-hmm. She is showing off her Christmas decorations. Yep. Having a great time with strangers. Yeah, apparently. Bear in mind, she does not see the ghost. She only sees Peter, but he mentions several things, which leads her to believe that they're in the room. She and asks, again, they, they're not supposed to really remember them yeah. exactly. It's supposed to be like a dream memory, but mm-hmm. she is picking up on enough details that yeah. she recognizes them. Mm-hmm. I think that helps Peter's case because she does realize that the same ghosts that visited her are visiting him right now, and so she's willing to help him out. And so in a really funny scene, Susan Crane goes to the Christmas party of Robert Barron and she is more than happy to talk and flirt a little bit uh, with the dad just to sort of butter him up so Peter can go in and ask Robert to... Well, I don't know that things. we I don't know that we really get to hear the whole conversation, yeah. right? It's it's like we're watching him present his case to his father, mm-hmm. uh, but it kind of leads to an argument. Yeah. And definitely you can see those family dynamics of you're trying to come together and have a real discussion with some somebody, but the past is getting in the way and before yeah. you know it, it's turned into an argument and it just seems like there's no point in trying, so they they go their separate ways. Yeah. And at this point, Peter's out of there. He tried, and Catherine blocks him. But he sort of blows up at her and says something to the effect of, things were better before you guys got here. Um, I was doing the things that I wanted to do, that I was raised to do. Um, Something like just keep my emotions in check and keep my head down. And so you see a little sneak peek of what is going on, the monologue inside of Peter's head that he's making choices for himself. This is very out of character for him. And look what it has gotten him into. 
a severed relationship with his father. So at this point, it seems like all is lost. They... It makes sense too, because oftentimes, you know, we've seen him be inspired and want to make changes and new choices, but then it can, after the inspiration, become very, very tough and yeah. the roadway is not clear. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to kind of backslide into thinking of, I should have just kept things the same. Yeah. It would have been easy. It wasn't that bad. Yep. What was I thinking? Trying something new. So this is the first time in the movie that you actually see conflict between Peter and Catherine. Peter is ready to just get into his car and drive away. And Catherine keeps interfering and he doesn't realize why and ultimately Catherine has a job to do however it also is because I think she feels that Peter's not living up to his fullest potential that she's really pushing him to get out of his comfort zone of head down emotions in check like he can become a better person and that is not jiving with Peter and so you see this this conflict unfold between the two of them She's a very spirited, passionate person, and you're right, she has a job to do, but she, she has been pushing him pretty hard because yeah. this is what she believes is right for him, mm -hmm. and we're seeing him kind of push back. Yeah, because it's scary. It's out of character for him, and so at this point, without Arlene's intervention, maybe both of them would not know how to proceed, and it would just be sort of left alone. The mission would fail and Peter would go back to his comfortable life. But that's not what happens because Arlene jumps in. To save the day yet to again. To save the day. She goes to find him and she's like, I want to show you something in the past. And he's like, no, I'm good. And she's like, I'm not asking. You don't say no to Arlene. Yeah. You go along with it. So they pop back to the Rudy Tootie and Catherine immediately is like, no, 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 this is wrong. This is my past. And Arlene's like, it's... Both of your past. Yeah, it's both of your past. The Rudy Tootie in this particular scene is in its heyday. It's lively. People are dancing. It's packed. Mm -hmm. People are having a good time. And it's in the late 40s or the early 50s time mm -hmm. period. Catherine is the one that points out Betsy, Peter's grandmother, and they both sort of look at each other. Peter and Catherine is like, wait, what? <laughs> How so, do you know? How do you know Betsy? Yeah, it's, it's actually really fun to go back to this memory because we get to see Catherine and Betsy as best friends mm -hmm. and very, very young at the start of their lives, out on their own. Catherine's there to pick up Betsy after her shift. I really enjoyed watching their friendship. Yeah. Also, up until this point, Peter has only been the one on display. Catherine has been able to get a peek not only into his present decisions, but into his past. And so this is the first time that Peter actually gets to see Catherine as a real live human in the world, interacting with friends and her environment. And we see the moment she walks in, she sits down, wants a bite to eat, and she's talking to the bartender. She orders her grilled cheese sandwich, and she's talking about what she'd kind of like to do with her life. Mm -hmm. You know, she's she's in the middle of things, of course, but she wants to do more. Yeah. Maybe expressing a little bit of, like, frustration that she hasn't figured out what she wants to do quite yet. Mm -hmm. She knows she wants to help and help the world, but she doesn't quite know how. And the bartender looks at her and says, there's no time like the present. We really get to see how the history would unfold. So Catherine and Betsy are walking down the street. They pass by a mother and two children who are out on the streets and Catherine gives them her dinner. She also mentions that everyone deserves a warm meal on Christmas, which is exactly the same thing that Peter says at the beginning of the movie. And she wants to go into this local store to pick up a few things and get some blankets. And that turns out to be young Grandpa Bob's mm -hmm. store. So Catherine is the reason that Betsy and Bob met in the first place. Yeah, Catherine. She's willing to buy blankets for those that are outside in the cold uh, with the, the rest of her earnings. Betsy even sort of scolds her like, you can't, you can't spend all of your money helping others but that doesn't seem to deter Catherine. So she marches outside to give these gifts to those that need them. And that is when we hear breaks. Yeah, it sounds like a car accident. Mm -hmm. So that is where, that's where Catherine dies. We also at this point find out that all of the ghosts of Christmas, they actually die on Christmas. That's how it works. 
So going back to the conversation that Catherine had with the bartender, she wants to do good for the world. She just is trying to still figure out how she can. And that very day, she ends up losing her life. She runs out of time. And I think that's part of the reason why she pushes Peter so hard because he's alive and he has the opportunity to do good and the means to do good. And he chooses just to be sort of a shadow of the man he could be as a result of his expectations from his father or what he's supposed to do or supposed to be. And I think that is the main point of conflict within the relationship because she sees so much good in him, but it's not being fully expressed. And so she pushes him and he's uncomfortable with the pushing because it's stretching him further than he, he feels that he can go. And I think one of the reasons why she's, she's pushing so hard is her mission, her goal of being able to help the world, even though she didn't get to make the choice to realize that dream, fate or destiny or heaven or Christmas magic, put her into the position of being a ghost of Christmas mm -hmm. present so that she could continue to do good work for the world yeah. through these missions or these cases. And this is a tougher case. Mm -hmm. And so she's given it everything that she has. Yeah. And we find out at Catherine's memorial, this is about a year later, Betsy is now married to Bob and they want to honor Catherine so Betsy and Bob have gotten together. And so that also shows that they were meant to be. They also have the same kind of values and plans for helping other people too. They purchased this space. They decide it's going to be called the Frog Hollow, a community center, mm -hmm. because Catherine was the angel who inspired the idea. They're going to call it the Frog Hollow Angel. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Betsy mentions in the letter that she's reading is I don't really believe in accidents. All is as it should be, which obviously as a viewer, you recognize the phrase because that's what Roy has said several times in the movie and Catherine really takes it to heart at that particular point. Or it has the intended effect on Catherine. She wants to read more of the letter, which leads her and Peter to look through boxes of things that were left at the Frog Hollow Angel and they find out that the rest of the letter mentions what Bob and Betsy were intending to do for the community, this hope that their child would also continue their legacy and do good for the world just like Catherine did. It is an interesting statement to make. It's It's got the same kind of feel as God works in mysterious ways mm -hmm. or everything happens for a reason. Yeah. So it seems like a pretty... It's a hard pill to swallow mm -hmm. given the circumstances. Exactly. It shows a certain kind of peace yes. that they have in that they're going to take something that is a bad thing and turn it into something good. Mm -hmm. And Catherine, at this point in the movie, she's actually questioning, is life just a series of choices? Or she didn't is get there... a choice is there something else at play? And so... All of their ideologies are being confronted. Yes. At this point, both Catherine and Peter know what needs to happen. Peter needs to go to his father, present the letter, and have a conversation about what he wants as a son, what he wants as a businessman, and just be okay with being authentically himself. Once again, he and Catherine have bonded and they are mm -hmm. back on this mission together. Hopefully, the letter will still be there and they'll be able to use that to help reach Peter's dad. Mm -hmm. And with this letter, Peter is able to approach his father to mention how he wants to help the business. He really took this job to begin with because he wanted to spend more time with his dad and that he doesn't want to pretend that he's someone he's not. He wants this to be a family business in the sense of family time with his dad. And when the father reads the letter, you do see that tough, stingy exterior melt away, mm -hmm. showing that what Peter said about him before was right. He's not a bad person. Yeah. He has just kind of buried all of his feelings with his ambition and his drive and probably even some of his own past hurts. Yeah. And doing business well has become his top priority. Mm -hmm. But 
at the end of the day, he really is a family man and that he loves his family members and he yeah. has wanted to take care of them and provide for them. Mm-hmm. He grew up poor. He didn't want his son or his future family members to endure that as well. Um, but he just really needed to hear that message and be reminded of it. Mm-hmm. And I think also in Peter stating what he wants, I think this is the first time that his father respects him mm-hmm. because he's not trying to be anyone but who he is. And and he's willing to walk away yes. if it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So he's putting it all on the line for what he believes in and whether he agrees with him or not, whether he likes what he's saying or not, mm-hmm. he still respects him for having the courage to do it. Yeah. He says, I want to make you proud and grandpa and myself. So I think the letter allowed for all of this to happen and um, he's able to walk away from his father, head held high, and Catherine appears in that moment, greets him with a big smile, as if to say, you did good. So now both Peter and his father Robert have been successfully Scrooged, and Mm -hmm. they have learned the lessons that they needed to learn, and the sun is about to come up, which means it's time for the ghosts to go. So Catherine and Peter have their final goodbye Mm -hmm. this is the one where there's no coming back because she's going to be gone and on to her next assignment in the next year Mm -hmm. as viewers you're like no because the way they're looking at each other it's it's a sad scene and peter says that she is someone that he thinks that he could love and that she could feel the same way and now that he has known love by someone like her like he doesn't want to settle if this is the only time he finds it then that's it and he's okay with that if it weren't for the barrier of her being a ghost Mm -hmm. and him being a live person this would be the declaration of love they would be together it's the only thing keeping them apart you can feel that and Catherine even looks at him and they linger a little bit and she's the one that says go and he turns around and he leaves And so she turns around, like, trying to keep it together. And she's like, okay, let's go. But Roy and Arlene are smiling. They're Mm -hmm. up to something. Yep. Roy reveals that he's going to take Catherine to the future. And she's... Finally, we get to see what Roy does. Yeah. I've been so curious. But Catherine is confused because she's like, "Um, are we going to see future Christmases? And he says, of course, I can show you those things. But why would I show you something that you can already imagine? And then in her mind's eye, she sees her and Peter at the Rudy Tootie and they're embracing and she sort of snaps to the present moment and it's almost like torture for her. She says to Roy, I I can't have any of that. Like, why would you show it to me? And that's when he reveals that she has been the assignment all along. And if she can see that, it must exist somewhere. Mm -hmm. It actually goes back to the very beginning when she's looking at the doors to the unknown and he says that you need to know what you want before you go through them. And now she has seen what she wants. Mm -hmm. And so they snap back to the Great Hall. And then Charlie comes up to them and is very relieved that the mission is complete, that they did what they needed to do. And then Catherine's staring at the doors, the great unknown. And that's when Charlie is like, oh, oh, you're, you're finally going. Yay, good for you. We had to pull so many strings to make this happen. Mm-hmm. This whole mess up was maybe intentional to get her to spend time with Peter. They throw a little science fiction in there as well, talking mm-hmm. about how time is a nonlinear yeah. thing. And so they had to try to get two people who are meant to be together, mm-hmm. but they're from two different time periods into the same thread, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So there's the implication there that, yes, some things went wrong along the way because this was so complicated, mm-hmm. but all is as it should be. Yep. Yep, they're soulmates, and they ended up together just like soulmates should. So Catherine says her goodbyes, and she walks into the great unknown, which happens to be the Rudy Tootie. (laughs) And this is where different people might have some different perspectives Mm -hmm. on what's happening here. It's a little ambiguous, I think, intentionally. Yeah. I think we're meant to think as viewers for just a second or two that he's meeting her for the first time because he's like, oh, do I know you? And she goes, yeah, you look familiar. But then they embrace 
they're aware of who each other is. They're still aware of everything that's just transpired between Mm -hmm. them and the memories and the journey. Yeah. And I think there could possibly have been a scene or two that we didn't see. And so when we are seeing them as she walks into the Rudy Tootie, everything's been explained, but we just, as viewers, don't get to, to see so when you brought up an interesting point, like if she's coming into this world and she knows who she is and he knows who he is, but did her life timeline move into this present? Mm-hmm. Like, was she born 25 years yeah. ago or so, uh-huh. or is she still from the late forties, early fifties? I mean, she would have like no paperwork. Exactly. She, <laughs> it'd be, it'd very, be tricky to get a job. Exactly. <laughs> like you'd have to basically start fresh and try to explain who you are mm-hmm. or somehow does she have everything that she needs, but they're picking up where they left off. Yeah. I think when she embraces him and they kiss, I think she says something like, it's like our destiny. And so it's sort of like a callback or a inside joke of this idea that yes, life is a series of choices, but we were destined for one another. My personal feeling is that they do get to keep the memories. Mm-hmm. I think probably the higher ups at the Grand Hall figured out a way to have her merge seamlessly into the present. Mm-hmm. If they could give her all new clothes, they could probably give her all new papers. Yeah, that's <laughs> for true. For her to have what that's she very needs. Very true. But I think it, it, it wouldn't really work if they didn't get to keep that and pick up right where they left off. Yeah, I agree. If the higher-ups can do all that we've seen in the movie, it's definitely conceivable that they're able to transplant her into this timeline, and yet she has everything. There are no repercussions, no mm-hmm. butterfly effect, and she has everything that she needs to be a citizen of the world and it's kind of fun too because even though we love to have everything kind of neatly tied up this is allowing for us to have those different ideas so Mm -hmm. so ideas that i have about it could be very different from somebody else and it's fun to talk about Mm -hmm. definitely in the very final moments of the movie we see Catherine outside it's snowing her eyes are closed she's registering the present moment and peter comes out and he asked her if she wants to dance and of course she does. And that's where you see the aerial shot of the Rudy Tootie and they walk inside together into their new happy life. It's a very, very sweet ending. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's talk about the themes. Generally, when we talk about themes, it takes two or three minutes, but this movie had substance. So there are lots of themes that we're going to dive in. And I'm super excited about it because I think part of the reason why I really like this movie is because there was so much there to think about and to digest and sort of glean from this movie. And honestly, other people could have noticed other themes as well. We're just kind of keeping it down to the top five that really stuck out to us the most. Yeah. The first one that I noticed based on the characters' conversations with each other is this idea of fate or destiny versus free will. Catherine starts off by saying that life is a series of choices. Arlene mentions that destiny is a false construct. And then here at the end of the movie, we find out that these two people, Catherine and Peter, are destined for one another. And so it's like, well, which has more power, the free will, the choice of an individual, or this cosmic order, destiny, or fate? So I really... Even the Ghost of Christmas Future, Roy, points out that what you see exists somewhere Mm -hmm. if you can see it. Mm -hmm. So is it there? Is it absolutely destined to happen? Or do you have to do something to make it happen? Yeah. I think we sort of landed on that fate in this movie is like a force that pushes people and circumstances together where it creates opportunities of things that should happen, but people still have an active role in choosing things that affect the outcome. Yeah, I think that sums it up. Because they're both from completely different timelines, it actually took the higher-ups, or you could say the people who get to orchestrate fate, Mm -hmm. it took them taking steps in order to bring them together. Even still, Catherine and Peter both had to 
want to spend time together, get to know each other, be willing to take the risk mm -hmm. to figure it out, not knowing what the other person yeah. was going to do. For Catherine, she had to choose one life in substitution for another. I mean, for lack of a better word, she's dead. But she left being a ghost of Christmas present to be with Peter. That was her choice. Whereas Peter had to choose to be the man that he was supposed to be, one that makes decisions about what he wants, not what anyone else wants, his father, family, or otherwise. And he chose to be with her. He wanted to choose her because she was the real deal. And when you put it that way, it shows they both had to be willing to leave their comfort zones. Yes. Both of them had to be willing to make changes, big changes, in order to have a life together. Mm -hmm. And with that, we have this idea of limiting beliefs. We already sort of touched on it, but at the beginning of this journey, Catherine has a job to do. She's a ghost. He's an assignment. There's no way to sort of bridge this divide of living and non-living. And so there's no way that they could be together. So this limiting idea of I can't have this because it's not meant for me is turned on its head when they both realize that they have a choice in the matter. Yeah, and from Peter's perspective, he has these limited beliefs that cause him to be short-sighted in love and in his career. <laughs> he has been kind of isolated from his loved ones, his family, with the belief that maybe there's something about him that might cause some rejection or things like that. In his job, he has a high position, but he still doesn't believe he has any real authority or power to create change. He answers to the same people who are going to want to do things all the same way. So he has to be willing to put himself out there, connect with others, believe that he has something of value to contribute, that other people are going to be interested in those ideas before he can really experience any kind of change in his life. Yeah. He feels as if he doesn't have a voice. And I feel like it takes Catherine and the gentle, I mean, sometimes it's not so gentle pushing, <laughs> uh, but she sees the person that he is and she validates it, that you're a good person and goodness is not weakness. And it allows him to sort of let go of his own limiting belief that he is not worthy of being in charge or he's not worthy of his father's love because he's not X, Y, and Z. Catherine sort of allows him with her kind words and her presence for him to sort of rise to the occasion that he is good enough to deserve love and that he you know he can become the person that he wants to be and that he's supposed to be yeah you had mentioned before this idea of him feeling like he has to be what other people want him to be a certain level of subtle people pleasing mm -hmm, i think definitely and if he can't be what they expect or want him to be then there's a good chance that they might reject him mm -hmm. which causes him then to you know be what he thinks they want as much as he can on the surface but then kind of retreat never get too close yep. and when he connects to her it catches him totally off guard he yep. didn't see that coming that day and they really do just kind of effortlessly connect and he's being himself maybe for the first time and mm -hmm. forming this friendship and then later this love with this person who accepts him. So I would agree that that helps him make the decisions that he's been wanting to make. Mm -hmm. And then I think one of the other things that is really touched on in this movie is this idea of second chances as it relates to the things that we wanted to do in our life. So we have Catherine mentioning right before they get snapped back in Christmas present where the Christmas tree is, she mentions to Peter that if I could go back, if I could do it over again, I'd be so much braver. And Peter also returns that with, if I were, you know, if I were braver, if I could do things differently, this internal monologue of if I could have done something different, if I could have done things differently, if I had a second chance in life, we often don't get second chances. So all we have is the present, like the bartender said in Catherine's history. 
we have to be brave now because sometimes we may not have a second chance. And so we shouldn't be haunted by the things we wish we would have done. Do them now. Today is what we have. And I think too, one of the things it's discussing is that oftentimes when we're faced with a decision, we look at it very much like it's a crossroads of the present. We have to choose what to do. But in this story, it requires them to go all the way back to the beginning, to their childhood. Mm -hmm. They have to review their entire past, which means everything has been leading up to this moment. So there's a feeling that it's not just a crossroads, it's a reflection on the road not taken. Mm -hmm. And people often spend a lot of time reviewing, contemplating, worrying about that road not taken. Mm -hmm. Even if people have one of those, though, the road that you did take has then led you to this moment. So I think that's an important thing to notice, too, that sometimes your whole past is leading up to a decision. Mm -hmm. I think the last thing that is pretty clear in this movie is this idea of reconciling to one another specifically with family so peter and his dad were really never on the same page uh in their conversations it often ended with what peter's dad wanted and peter going along with it and then when he finally tries to confront his dad at the christmas party when susan crane is singing you see that it doesn't end well and it's not really until robert baron sees his mother's words on that page in the letter remembers her voice that he's able to connect to those values of charity and family and the giving of one's resources and time for the benefit of the community that precious item of a long lost letter Mm -hmm. is able to really break through some of that iciness and it helps him reconnect to his own parents from the past but then he's able to actually listen to Peter, able to hear him. And then they're finally able to have like a real heart-to-heart conversation, find some understanding with each other's intentions and move forward. Sometimes Mm -hmm. with family, it's really frustrating when you feel like you're not getting anywhere. Maybe you're never going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's one event or Mm -hmm. one item or person or memory that actually can bring some really positive change. Mm -hmm. So... I think it's pretty clear that we both really like this movie, but if you had to choose a favorite moment or aspect of the movie, what would it be? Well, I really love the complexity of it. I really wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting it when you were first telling me about this movie. I love that it ties back to A Christmas Carol, but it's a modern adaptation. It's part family drama, part romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. It contains more than one time period. And then it throws in a dash of mystery and a sprinkling of science fiction. Yeah. No wonder we had so much to talk about. Yeah. I think what stands out in this movie is the stellar performances Mm -hmm. of both the actress that plays Catherine and the actor that plays Peter. They're delightful. Yes. It's apparent in the writing and their performances. These two characters have chemistry. You see it. They care for each other. And I just, I, I loved seeing them together on screen because... Some, some of the movies fall a little flat in that regard. And this one exceeded my expectations in that regard. Yeah, I, think, I thought both actors did a really good job. It was fun. It was engaging. I mean, essentially, we're watching another couple just walking and talking. But you feel like you're there. You want to hear what they have to say mm-hmm. next. You want to see the way that they react to one another. That was really fun to watch. Yeah. So this is sort of an obvious answer, but would they make it? I actually think so. (laughs) But in terms of the way that their interactions developed and what they've gone through, they've already made some big choices in order to be able to be together. And they have so much shared in common, not just their histories, but also their beliefs, what they want to do in the world. Mm -hmm. They get along so well. Um, they both learned great lessons together and there is really something to watching other people go through tough decisions, Mm -hmm. learn tough lessons. And so I think they did that really well together. So I'm confident in that. Yes, they would make it. Yeah. I believe the word soulmates was used. So I am fairly certain that they'll make it. Mm -hmm. 
And Lindsay, really important question. Would you date Peter? Yes, I would go out with Peter. I think Peter would be a fun person to hang out with doing a variety of activities. He's a great conversationalist, witty, funny, smart. Uh, He cares about other people. He can talk about deep stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be very fun to go out with Peter. Yeah, I would agree. The performance was adorable. I think the way that he looked at Catherine at various points in the movie melted my heart. Mm -hmm. So I think he's a great guy and I would date him. So in regards to Christmas feels, did this give you the feeling of wanting to decorate the tree, bake Christmas cookies, sing Christmas carols? This one was interesting because they don't necessarily do a lot of that. Like now that I'm reflecting, Mm -hmm. did we see any Christmas activity montages? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't really remember. They do spend a lot of time in the snow. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. And there is holiday decor everywhere. The carousel is really cool. Mm -hmm. The Christmas trees, Grand Hall Station, as we Mm -hmm. call it, is very beautiful. So I think it's warm. Yeah, I like the warmth that's there. There's warmth amongst the characters as well. Mostly it's quirky yes. and smart and funny. And mm-hmm. it's, it does give me a lot of Christmas cheer in a very different way. Yeah, I would agree. It's very much a type of movie that leaves you like, yay, love wins. And these people get to be together. And I can be whatever I want to be as long as I know where I want to go type thing. Like it's inspirational. But... To your point, I don't know if it necessarily gives me Christmas feels or vibes, but definitely a feel-good movie ending. Like, it's almost like a triumphant note at the end. Yes, I would agree with that. So, loved it, and I would recommend to a friend. In fact, I've already recommended to several friends. Yes, I have too. This is actually a very highly recommended movie. Other people have recommended it to me, even though I've already watched it. And with that said, we greatly enjoyed watching and discussing Ghosts of Christmas Always. Thank you listeners for joining us. And if you'd like to be a part of the conversation and be kept up to date with the new episodes and discussions, follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching the keywords, we wish you a merry movie. From us to you, we we wish you a merry movie. movie.